Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Welcome to On the Ball with Rick Buecher. Here's your host. Let's send it over to Rick Buecher. Rick Buecher. This is On the Ball on the United Wecast Network, and I am Rick Buecher. You can see me on FS1, hear me on Fox Sports Radio, and you can read me on the Fox Sports app and at foxsports.com. You can also follow me on both Twitter and Instagram at Rick Buecher. I'm a lot of places. But there's only one place you can hear me talking about story angles and perspectives that you are not likely to find anywhere else, primarily but not exclusively involving the NBA. And that is here. I understand how much superstar players can mean to their team's championship aspirations. I think we all do. I know how much great players, especially those with endearing personalities who are consistently about all the right things, mean to their fans, teammates, and coaches. I especially know how hard it is for a team or fan base to get their hopes up about their title chances only to see them crushed by an unexpected injury. But even with all that in mind, the reaction to Marcus Smart of the Boston Celtics diving for a loose ball and the Warriors' Steph Curry winding up with a sprained left foot that leaves his availability for the rest of the season uncertain, has, like so many things in today's world, gone off the rails. The reaction, that is. We've now reached a place, it seems, where when anything happens in this world that is unfortunate, someone is at fault. Someone must pay. Someone has done something intentionally wrong and it is necessary to make certain that this unfortunate event never happens again you've heard of paralysis by analysis that's what we have going on in the nba these days sports in general i'd say look at the penalties being called in football on defensive backs covering wide receivers or would-be tacklers of quarterbacks but it has become especially bad in the nba for three reasons, I'd say. The salaries of marquee players have them, have, or have made them so valuable that they've now become as protected as NFL quarterbacks. Two, we have an enormous number of young referees in the league. By my count, nearly a quarter of NBA refs have three years of experience or less. Nearly a third have five years or less. And these aren't veterans of officiating at the college level or elsewhere that have now finally reached the NBA level. 
These are all very, very young referees overall in terms of their experience. But when it comes to the NBA, that means there is a relatively inexperienced ref by NBA standards on every crew for every game. Third reason we're hitting analysis or paralysis by analysis. The NBA game is being treated like a non-contact sport these days. Hit someone above the shoulders and it doesn't matter if it's inadvertent or the result of a play on the ball. It's a flagrant foul. Penalty one at the very least. So I've heard about or seen two extreme reactions to the play involving Marcus Smart and Steph Curry. One came from my FS1 colleague, Kevin Wilds, who suggested that diving for loose balls be outlawed. It's a brilliant reaction for TV because a great reaction on TV prompts viewers to react. And I have no doubt Kevin inspired a lot of reactions. I didn't see him deliver that take firsthand. I wasn't on the show at the time. I just heard about it and I reacted with an involuntary, oh my God. This, by the way, is why reporters generally are terrible on TV. Because if they're good at reporting, then they report exactly what is happening. And while there are times when amazing, unprecedented, extraordinary, shocking events do come to pass, most of the time we witness those events. We don't need to have them reported. But most of the time, the news of the day that needs to be reported is fairly ordinary. Sometimes it's not even new. Often it's a small step in a certain direction, good or bad. So there's an urge to amplify it, to make it seem huge, to make it play on TV. You'll hear it by so-called draft experts about college players in the NCAA tournament. Oh, he... He made a huge jump in his draft stock with that performance. It's the craziest notion. Think, imagine this. Teams scout a player for years, and then he plays one game in a neutral site against a completely unfamiliar opponent with completely unfamiliar referees, and that is going to be a reason his ability to play in the NBA and where he's valued in on the, on the big whiteboard uh, as far as draft status. That's going to cause him to jump 5, 10, 15 spots in the NBA where everybody knows everything about everybody, where there are no neutral sites or referees who work specific conferences. And NBA GMs are never the, nevertheless going to um, suddenly say, wow, did you see that? That guy did that in circumstances, in an environment, in conditions that no way, in no way relate to what playing in the NBA is like. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. But people say it and people apparently believe it. It sounds good. It sounds exciting. Now, I'm not going to say that it's never happened, that a GM hasn't fallen in love with a player because of the tournament run that they had. But it's generally... It's a tournament run. It's not one game. And even, well, I'll just say, the best GMs that I've talked to, they purposely don't watch the NCAA tournament live because they don't want to get caught up 
in the emotion and the euphoria. They want to watch, and they don't. Why they don't need to make a decision now in March on a player? They'll wait until May, sometime right before the before the draft, to look at the tape from the tournament, because by then it's all kind of mellowed out, and you've already had your conversations with your scouts, and you have a lot of other insight from them, so you can look at the NCAA tournament performance of a player in a rather uh, passionless way, if you were, or impassionate way. So, look, I know it sounds exciting, and it makes it seem like somebody knows something, but it's not reality. Think about your own life. How many days does something truly interesting happen to you? As in something you can't wait to tell your friends or family. Not that often. Let's be honest. None of us are living lives that exciting where every single day something happens you can't wait to tell all your friends and family. Unless, of course, you're just one of those people who likes to share every single thing. That's what Twitter and Instagram are for. I joke. But seriously, in accomplishments, improvements, developments of any notable significance usually take days, weeks, months, sometimes years, don't they? For those who aren't aware, Warriors coach Steve Kerr reacted angrily to Smart's play. He called Smart out on the court for it, confronted him right there and then. He was convinced that Smart could have taken Steph's knee out. He also talked about it in the press conference afterward. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Now, I watched the play a half dozen times or more, mostly because of Steve's reaction. That's what I saw first. And the first couple of times I watched it, I thought, he's just diving for a loose ball. He saw an angle to get it. And he took it. Now, after watching the replay a few more times, I don't think Steph's knee was ever in danger. He wound up spraining his foot because he got caught under Marcus's sprawling body. And Marcus didn't land on it fully. It just caught, got caught under it as he, Steph, dragged it toe-side down. Steph couldn't dive for the ball because it was close enough for him to bend over and pick it up. Marcus, on the other hand, had to dive for it, and the fact is he got to the ball first by doing so. Now, Steph got hurt as Marcus twisted his body to shovel the ball to his teammate, Jason Tatum, who originally lost possession of the ball. It was a bad, bad pass from Jalen Brown. Jason, uh, Clay Thompson got a piece of it. Jason Tatum tried to grab it, couldn't. In any case... I watched the replay a couple more times and thought, okay, it was a little reckless, but I can't, I still can't see where he purposely ignored that he might hurt someone diving for it. He had as much of a chance, Marcus that is, of hurting himself on the play as someone else. 
It could have messed up his shoulder or a wrist or a hand. We've certainly seen it happen. And that brings me to the other extreme reaction by Jay Williams of ESPN. He suggested not only that Steph got hurt because he didn't dive for the ball himself, but also that Steph is not a winning player because winning players dive for loose balls. I'm not making this up. Find the clip on YouTube and you'll hear Jay connect those dots. He even offered a demonstration, rolling the ball toward the host, telling him to bend over and pick it up, and then Jay dived for it and rolled into the host's leg. Never mind that the angle Jay took was different than the one that Marcus took, or that the ball, in the real instance, rolls between Steph Curry's teammate, Clay Thompson's legs, and Clay was actually closer to the ball than Steph. Clay reaches down to get it first, and that's what opens the door for Smart, who was between Steph and Clay to get to it first by diving for it. And you can see Steph hesitate because Clay is practically on top of the ball. He's got a teammate right there. Why is he going to dive at the feet of his teammate? So if anyone is going to be criticized for not diving, it's Clay. Clay, of course, is just coming off two years missed due to a torn ACL and torn Achilles. So it might be understandable that he's not ready to throw his body around. Not only understandable, but advisable. This is also a Steph Curry who broke his wrist two seasons ago and missed essentially the rest of the season. One of the worst seasons that the Warriors have had in recent memory. So maybe understandable that he's not ready to be diving on the floor in an instance like that, even if the circumstances dictated it, which in this case, did they did not. What makes Jay's inaccurate analysis so damaging is that he's a former NBA player, a former number one pick, actually, who short-circuited his career by wrapping a motorcycle around a telephone pole and doing irreparable damage to his knee, but a former player nonetheless, given an enormous platform on ESPN. Now, no offense to Kevin, my colleague, but fans are probably going to take Jay's demonstration a little more seriously than Kevin's suggestion dives for loose balls be outlawed. Jay's overreaction, by the way, makes for good TV too, but it's also really bad for the game of basketball for several reasons. It raises a completely unsubstantiated question about Steph's character when it comes to his commitment to winning. It suggests that if you're not diving for any and all loose balls, you're not trying hard enough. There's a difference between playing hard and playing smart. Playing hard means risking injury to yourself or others regardless of the circumstances. Playing smart is knowing when that kind of measured recklessness makes sense. We saw the same over-analysis of LeBron James spraining his right ankle about a year ago against the Atlanta Hawks. LeBron turned the corner on a screen set by Montrez Harrell and suddenly found himself surrounded by three Hawks defenders. Solomon Hill actually was close enough to tip the ball out of LeBron's control, and as a result, the ball landed at LeBron's feet. Now, you can see Solomon, as soon as he sees the ball on the floor at LeBron's feet, he starts to lunge for it, diving on the floor, as Jay would suggest is winning basketball. 
But LeBron is able to grab it first, still on his feet. And then as he spins, Solomon is now diving into his lower right leg, and LeBron's ankle turns inward. And after enough slow-mo replays, the masses determined that Solomon Hill meant to hurt LeBron, and it was a dirty play. I can't help but feel some of this is because, the, and the reaction to this versus Marcus Smart versus Steph is at least in part because Solomon Hill is not the caliber player that Marcus Smart is. That the abilities of the player making the hustle play somehow influences whether we think that lesser player was just looking for an advantage or looking for a way to take the better player off the floor. It should be noted that both of these injuries happen to older players who can't move like they once could. That's different than someone who was never quick on their feet, by the way, which both Steph and LeBron were and still can be at times, especially Steph. But there are as many times at their ages when the mind wants to react and the body is a half second slow getting the message. And as a result, collisions that were once avoided can't be. Anybody who was once an athlete of any measure and is now up in years can attest to that feeling and that fact. Now, saying all that, I completely understand why Steve Kerr reacted the way that he did. For, again, a number of reasons. One, the angle he had from the bench. He was directly behind Smart from the other side of the court. I don't think he could see where the ball was. All he could see was Smart's lunging body and Steph's stagger and then fall as a result. But would he have felt the same way if the roles had been reversed, if Draymond had been diving for that loose ball and Jason Tatum had been the one getting his foot caught under Draymond's twisting body, or if he had been on the other side, if we flipped the court, if the play had been coming toward him rather than away from him? That's the angle that gave me the clearest idea of exactly what happened. It's not the angle that Steve Kerr had in the moment in the game. Two, the Warriors need all of their aging stars healthy and good to go to have any chance at a title, and Steve knows that intrinsically. The only person in the Warriors organization who was certain that the team could contend for a title this season, coming into the season, was owner Joe Lacob, because Lacob always thinks they can contend for a title. Most of the Warriors didn't begin to entertain that thought until they had their tremendous start, that they were, quite frankly, better than anyone expected. Clay came back, looked like he could contribute, and they have, they've had flashes of both great offense and defense. The Warriors know the level a championship team has to perform at, and they were reaching it at times. I was pleasantly surprised by Draymond's comments after the game in which Steph got hurt. He didn't think it was a dirty play. He thought it was a trademark Marcus Smart play, as in a hustling, heady play, trying to save a possession. Steph himself confirmed that it was not a dirty play and that he did not believe Marcus was trying to hurt him when he finally spoke on the play, which he couldn't that night afterward because he was getting an MRI to find out the extent of the damage. Steph simply said it was an unfortunate incident, which is exactly right. Sometimes unfortunate events come to pass in sports. It's not anybody's fault. 
Steph didn't have to take that stance, by the way. He could have easily said he didn't think so, but wasn't sure, leaving room for his fans to resent Smart. But it is not in Steph's DNA to play the victim in any way. If anything, he goes the other direction. It's why he is the leader that he is. What troubles me is that our microanalysis, thanks to technology and slow motion and a half dozen different camera angles and 24-7 sports talk, is the microanalysis is undermining the spirit of, of competition. I'm all for keeping brute force from canceling skill or gaining a disproportionate advantage, but we've gone too far way too far. All right. That does it for this episode of On the Ball on the United Recast Network. Please rate and review the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. In the next episode, I'm going to address something that I said offhandedly on First Things First, one of the TV shows that I appear on, where Chris Broussard, one of my colleagues, suggested that when healthy... Uh, when Anthony Davis is healthy, that the Lakers have two top 10 players, much in much the same way that the Philadelphia 76ers have two top 10 players. And I said, Anthony Davis at, at this juncture is not a top 10, top 10 player. And I'm not even sure that the Lakers have one, which obviously stirred up a hornet's nest with Nick Wright, who is a uh, LeBron James devotee, Nick being another member of the First Things First crew. And so I put together a list. And obviously plenty of people on social media are interested in that list. I'm going to share that in the next podcast. In the meantime, as always, thanks for listening. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.